Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. On SEN, the captain's run with Cane Corns. Well, it's a very good morning to you. Here we are. I usually get the nice little music intro, but it's escaped us, but that's okay because I have that much to talk about. I'm not sure we are going to fit it all in inside three hours. There's live sport happening at the moment. Sam Groth is going to join us. US Open is getting towards the business end. Unfortunately, our boy Alex Demonor was accounted for in straight sets yesterday, but Sam Groth with the latest there. There's NBA action about to get underway with the Lakers taking on the Rockets. And the NFL is back from about uh, 10.15 Melbourne time this morning. So we're going to talk all things US sport this morning. Luke Parker is a gun. He's going to join us from the Swans. Also, Tom Morris with the big scoop that the Giants are going to drop their captain, Stephen Canilio, the first side in 22 years to drop their skipper, Tom Morris, there. And also, Sammy Edmund with all the latest surrounding the AFL at the moment as we get towards the business end of the season. Your calls as always, it is your show, 1300 736 736 is the number. But let's get the show underway like we always do with this. Well, righto. Buckle up for this because, gee, my phone lit up like a Christmas tree as Louis Taylor's set shot in the dying stages of Thursday night's match between Sydney and Carlton drifted right, guaranteeing the Blues the win. One look at my Twitter mentions had me feeling like Dan Andrews as the angry Carlton mob came for me and didn't they come hard? The fierce criticism coming my way centred around the form of Sam Walsh and my opinion of the 2018 draft class. Channel 9 and age footy journo Sam McClure started the pile in with his tweet referencing my comments about the Blues midfielder from 18 months ago. Walsh, not a match winner, Cane Corns, he wrote sarcastically on Twitter. That tweet was liked 1,400 times and many frustrated Carlton fans still reeling from their side conceding the first, 17, first seven goals against the 15th-ranked Swans who were minus four of their biggest stars in Franklin, Heaney, Rampy and Mills, and staring down the barrel of a seventh consecutive year of missing the finals, saw it as their opportunity to pile in. I bit my tongue, knowing I'd have this platform and others to respond. On Wednesday night's Channel 9, footy classified, Nathan Brown was called up off the extended interchange bench to fill in on that show, Footy Classified. He called me out for daring to have an opinion on who I would have selected first in the draft and called the comparisons between Walsh and Rosie disrespectful. Brownie, it's the footy media. I know there's some bland people that get a job in the footy media, but having an opinion is pretty important. How outrageous of me. A lot of the mean tweets went like this. G Corns, you've gone quiet over Sam Walsh, blah, 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 and there's some other expletives included, of course. But for those that missed it, let's revisit exactly what I said about Sam Walsh after he'd played only a handful of games. I'm going to quote myself here. Sam Walsh has been spoken about a lot. 
he was the safe pick. He's going to be a 250 to 300 gamer. He will be a multiple All-Australian and Best and Fairest winner. He's going to have a great career, but it was a safe pick. Alrighto, he's not a match winner. He doesn't have breakaway speed. He's only 183 centimetres and 80 kilos, and he's not a goal kicker. In hindsight, that pick Connor Rosie was what I said. Now, I'm at a loss to find out how those comments are disrespectful. Were they completely accurate, my comments from 18 months ago? Probably not. I'm sure Carlton would still select Walsh over Rosie, and he's been more of a goal kicker than I give him credit for, even though he averages just under 0.4 of a goal per game. But my comments were not wrong, and I stand by them. Sam Walsh is Andrew Gaff, and that is brilliant. And as I said from the start, a multiple All-Australian and Best and Fairest winner, and if Carlton ever turn around its 20-year horrific run of form, he may just be a premiership player. He's a model citizen, which is really important, and he's a pure professional. I would love to have him in my team. But he's Andrew Gaff. He's a small, hard-running, outside wingman who gets the majority of his ball in the back half. He doesn't really have to play on an opponent, and certainly the opposition don't play on him. He's not the King Twins. He's not Bailey Smith, who's the next Joel Selwood. He's not Isaac Rankin. He's not Jack Lacocious, and he's not Connor Rosie, and there is nothing wrong with that. Would I have picked him with pick one? No. You may have. And that is brilliant. So for all the Sam McClure's, the Nathan Browns and the Carlton heroes who tweeted me out and flooded my Twitter mentions on Thursday night, now is the time to ring up and have it out with me right here on your forum, 1300 736 736 or 0433 Yeah, I wouldn't have thought there's anything disrespectful about having an opinion 18 months ago saying that a player is going to be a multiple All-Australian and a multiple Best and Fairest winner. And just for the comparison and why I say he's Andrew Gaff, Andrew Gaff in his fir- in his second season, I should say, 24 disposals, 0.4 of a goal per game, 1.5 tackles, nearly two clearances, 4.3 inside 50s and 5.6 contested possessions. Walsh, Eerily similar. Shortened games, I understand that, but 19 disposals for Walsh, 0.5 of a goal per game, two and a half tackles, two clearances, three inside 50s and seven contested possessions. They are exactly the same player. Dean is in Elwood. Your thoughts? G'day, Kane. How are you? Good, thanks. Mate, oh, look, I'm a Carlton fan. I have tweeted you before this year around the the rosé. I appreciate actually hearing your statements, but mate, look, sometimes in the media, we're members, we go every week, and then you're talking about who we, what you would have taken. For Carlton, mate, we'd have Patrese Seaton, we'd have Paddy Dow, we needed that guy that was going to play, and if he mate, if he does that, that career will be um, in excess of rosé, in excess of those, and the comparison with Gaff, having watched every Carlton game in the last two years, if he's not harder than Gaff, I'll go he. Like, in terms, I'm not saying Gaff's not hard, but he gets a lot of contested ball. He's in there. He's kicking goals. He's improved his um, kicking efficiency. But he'll work his game, Kane. That's what we're saying. He's just going to get better and better. I, I could not be happier with that pick. 
and and as I said, I, I wouldn't pick him, but you would, and that's great. But and and I, I got a lot of feedback saying, well, stop talking about it. It's disrespectful to be speaking about a young man like this. Well, if you go by that logic, what what can we comment on in the footy meter? And the Carlton fans said, stop talking about it. So I did. I stopped talking about it, and then all of a sudden. When Walsh is having a great year and he plays well, every time my Twitter mentions are full of Sam Walsh comments. My opinion was not wrong on him. It was my opinion. And like your call, Dino, I understand you wouldn't change that pick for the world. And that is great because he's a model citizen. He's going to be a 300-game player and he's going to be an outstanding contributor for the Carlton Footy Club for a long, long time. And that is great. Plenty of other stuff we need to talk about as well. The big story, Stephen Canelio this morning... Seven-year contract and he's been dropped, which does get back to my point on long-term deals. There is an epidemic of long-term deals in the AFL, and I've spoken about it at length. Also, McGovern, how's his form been? As good a player as he is since he signed that $5 million deal for five years at the Eagles. Another hamstring injury last night. Bryce Gibbs, who we're going to hear from this morning, uh, paid out with one year to go on that four-year contract that he signed at Adelaide. So there's a $600,000 mistake from the Adelaide Football Club on the back of paying Josh Jenkins and Eddie Betts at the moment. Dan Hanabry, how's that long-term deal going? Clubs have got to pull the power back and stop handing out ridiculous long-term contracts. And it's another example of that with Stephen Canelio losing his place in the side this week. Tom is in Seaford. You want to change gears, do you, Tommy? Good morning to you, bud. Oh, g'day, Kane. Uh, great show. Yeah, you've thrown the gauntlet down with the, uh, <laughs> that one for sure with Sam Walsh. Mm. Uh, I wanted to talk about this idea of the 28-round season on shortened quarters. Now, I don't like the shortened quarters, but if, if, if it went to 28 rounds, it would mean over a five-year period every team would play each other twice, and uh, that might might help help the fixture it also allows more you know if you if we say there's um, potential you know head injuries occurring concussion it allows more juniors to get a run and and what what its impact would be on the the second team the reserves comp i don't really know but it may have some merits because uh, you know, I think to, to start even, evening out who plays who over five years, at least it allows uh, certain teams not not to not to dominate too much. Now, it, 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 you'd have to be commute, computer modelling and all that sort of stuff. But what, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, and a final bit of news. Um, uh, I reckon there's going to be a big uh, person leaving from GWS. That's my mail. But anyway, what do you think about this 28 okay, season? Well- well, I'll, addre- I'll address the issue, your, your final point there for you, Tommy, because Tom Brown is reporting a lot of changes at the Giants just coming to hand now, and trying to keep up with Tom Brown's Twitter is like going through my Twitter mentions on Thursday night, as I mentioned, but he's he's been a bit erratic, but he's just said he's spoken to the Giants, exclusive details and an unexpected off-field change. Saints legend and current Giants assistant Lenny Hayes will step away from footy at the end of the year. It's a family decision, obviously influenced by the COVID crisis. Brad Miller, according to Tom Brown, also leaving the Giants at the end of the year. And uh, Mark McVeigh also may depart the Giants at the end of the season. And also confirmation coming through from the Giants on the back of Tom Morris's story that Stephen Canelio will be dropped. In terms of 28-round seasons, I don't want it. I don't like it. I think the great thing about this year and the 17-game season has been how close it has made the race for the finals. I just think in a 
round season, we will know that there's six really good teams at about the 10-game mark of the season, and we'll have to suffer through 18 games as we try and um, confirm two On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Uh, you know the deal, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Rob has been patient. Uh, thanks for holding, Rob. Uh, what do you want to speak about this morning? Uh, hi, Kane. Uh, love your show. You're a straight talker, which I love. Mate, we were very, very poor last night. If we, if we can't be an Eagles second side... We're in a bit of trouble. Even with maybe Gresham and Hanbury back in the middle, mate, we are two midfielders away from being a good side. And I'm a little bit worried about Geary. I think he's been a tough, tough bloke, smashed himself, possibly time to go. And I think Ross, uh, Ross in the midfield, geez, I reckon I'm faster than him. Can't kick with his right foot. And kicks about twenty meters. I'd love think? for them to. I'd love for them to make it next. Next week's game is going to be massive against the Giants. <laughs> the recruiting was was terrific. I think uh, apart, you, know, you can't question the recruitment of Hill. You can question his output. Fourteen disposals in a big game like last night when his opposition number. I know they weren't facing off against each other, Gaff, but the opposition's best wingman is getting 33 and having the influence he did so there's a concern there i think howard's been good the forward line um was an issue last night memory some moments and king as good as he's going to be continues to miss big goals uh, and big opportunities in front of goal now he will get that the longer i think he plays and feels more comfortable with it i i would be if i was a saints fan wrapped with the season albeit bitterly disappointed with last night, if that makes sense. So 14th last year, pushing for a top four position at times this year. Some of their football has been terrific, one of the best game styles, despite what Clark always said in the game. But you're right, last night was bitterly disappointing against a side under under adversity that they just should have beaten. Um, nine and seven with a couple of games to go. Interesting to see how this plays out. Phil is in Hopper's Crossing, also wants to speak about the footy last night. Your thoughts, Phil? Mate, that was absolutely shocking last night. I don't barrack for either side, but I was I was barracking for St Kilda because all this year they stood out, they ran the ball, they used their pace, they kept the ball low. Now, last night, they just kept bombing it up in the air and that hang time allows blokes like McGovern and Barras to just pick it off, you know? Like, it was really dumb football. I was throwing my shoes at the TV... I was so frustrated. You know, you'd see a guy lead in the corridor and the guy that had the ball wouldn't kick it to him and then wait. You know how they wait a couple and say, oh, well, you know, there's nothing there. I'll just bomb it. You're yep. kidding, aren't you? Yeah, I think, I think I think the conditions are... Well, you've got to be smart when you play the Eagles, and I just love the way that the Bulldogs adjusted their game style after quarter time against the Eagles last week. You just cannot be afraid, as much as completely against an AFL footballer's instinct, to kick it along the ground when going inside 50, particularly in those conditions. So the Eagles don't deal with the ground ball in their back 50 as well as they do with the aerial ball. So you've got to take away that strength. In terms of... The most dangerous side who is fighting for that eighth position, who would I least rather play in the finals right now? And it is absolutely the Western Bulldogs. I think they'll get there. I think they make it. 
And, you know, if I'm the fifth side, and that could be West Coast or Richmond, who would I least rather play in that first final? For me, it is the Dogs. Out of out of any of Collingwood, St Kilda, Melbourne or GWS, the Bulldogs are the ones that would scare me the most. Which one would be it for your side? one 736 736 On the other side of the news headlines, we're going to catch up with Tom Morris, who had a huge story out of the Giants this morning. And that keeps you up to date with all the news happening. There's live sport in front of us at the moment. There's NBA um, game between the Lakers and the Rockets. We'll get to that shortly. There's semi-final action at the US Open. And there's also the first NFL game of the season getting underway in about half an hour's time or just over. But joining us now is the next guest live from the AFL's hub on the Gold Coast, Fox Footies, Tom Morris. Tom, thanks for your time. Kane, thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm currently watching Shane Edwards and Dan Hannabury and um, and Gary Ablett and Andrew Mackey and Gary Ruffhead and Sam Lonergan for a training session. So it's good to be here. <laughs> 2020, hey, what, what, what sort of shape yeah. do they look like? In well, they look like they're in good shape. Um, they're uh, they're doing some competitive work. Um, it's probably on a on a grass patch, maybe maybe half the size of a soccer pitch. But um, it's just great to see them working together. I mean, I, I just love listening to it. And, you know, they call. Gary Ablett Gaz and they call St. Edward Shedder and Hannibury Hannah. You know, they've all become mates in the past couple of weeks. So I'm sure they'll be looking back to getting playing, but um, they've enjoyed these, these new sessions they've had together. When when will they be available? So each of uh, them, in particular Ablett, around 18. What about Edwards? Is it the same timeline for all of them? Yeah, well, no, Edwards and, and Ablett, um, unless anything goes wrong, they'll play around 18. Hanbury said the other day that he's less likely to play round 18. In fact, he won't play round 18. Not because he won't be fit. It's just that we we in and he get out. Of, he gets out of the transition hub on Tuesday, and then St Kilda's playing on Friday night. So he only get one full training session before that game. So um, he probably needs a couple more after hamstring surgery. So he'll play week one of finals, presuming the Saints make it. And uh, Ablett and Edwards are expected to play round 18. And, I think they, they'll be ready to go. I mean, they've worked pretty hard here, so there's no excuses uh, once they get out there in round 18 or the first week of finals. Big news this morning. You broke it that uh, the first AFL club in 22 years to drop their skipper. Uh, I wasn't expecting it, but Stephen Canelio, the Giants, have confirmed your story, will be dropped. I might have just lost Tom there. Have I got you there, Tom? I can no, sort of gotcha. hear you. Yep, sorry, uh, got, got, got you. Got you now, mate. So just going through your story this morning, yeah. you broke that Stephen Canelio will lose his place in the side, the skipper for the Giants. Yes, it's a, it's a big shock because we just don't see it, do we? I mean, 22 years ago, John Walsfold was left out of a final by Mick Malthouse. Um, there's a bit of conjecture whether that, that was a, a form issue or an injury issue, but... It was, it was, I mean, reading all the newspaper articles from the time last night, um, it was more likely it was a form issue. If, if you want to contest that from the time before, then with Gary Ayres in 1993 for Hawthorne. So, I mean, we just don't see captains drop. No matter how bad their form is, they keep their spots in the team. And let, let's be honest, Cornelio's form has been down, but he hasn't been alone. Mm. Um, he had 20 disposals last week against Adelaide. So, I know disposals aren't everything and... and and there's more numbers that you can dissect, but 20 disposals isn't a terrible game, despite the fact the team lost. Um, nevertheless, he was told on Thursday that he wouldn't be playing against Melbourne in this crucial game on Saturday night, um, and other people at the club knew as well. Um, and he's been omitted. He's the captain of the club, and he won't be playing probably the most important game for the season for the Giants, because if they lose, then the playing finals is out of their hands. 
So what is the what is the atmosphere and the mood around the Giants? I was there on Tuesday. They they just looked completely shot. Oh, I know they were coming off a short break, but they were outworked yeah. by an Adelaide side that had won one game. Many would say, well, right. Cornelio's form has been better than Cameron. So can we expect some other yeah. big names to lose their place as well? Well, I think it puts everyone on notice. I heard Gary Lyon and Tim Watson speaking about it on SEN this morning. I think this puts everyone on notice. Once you've got the captain, then no one's safe. I think probably the reality is that Cornelio is easier to replace than Cameron, maybe. A key forward is harder to replace than a, an on-baller who plays a bit forward as well. Um, but there's, there's no doubt that this is the last-ditch effort from Cameron to try to find something from his team. If you listen to the press conference after they lost to Adelaide, he was incredibly frustrated with the midfield. He singled out the midfield. Cornelio was part of that midfield. So he had to make a statement somewhere. Um, it probably wasn't going to be Taranto. Um, some other guys have sort of been okay, uh, bit, you know, bits and parts since the buy. But Cornelio's numbers are well, well down. They're, they're sort of career-worst numbers ever since he started. Mm. And, and it's just come at an unfortunate time. Because only 15 games ago, he signed a, a seven-year deal worth about $7 million. So, and he's the captain. So there's a lot of pressure on him. But it's, uh, it's, it's not an ideal situation for him or the Giants to be in, but I think it's Cameron's last-ditch effort to, to find some motivation for his team. Yeah, it makes it ridiculous, doesn't it, the look of that what, seven-year what, what, deal? What do you think? Do you think it's a good move? Well, no, I don't. Uh, I think that it's tough to come back from, from that. Uh, I think there's other ways you can go about it, but dropping the captain and the leader of your club is, is a move that I wouldn't have gone with unless, I mean, unless the form is completely horrific. I don't think that has been the case for Canelio and their want to play him as a half forward and in different positions, I don't think has suited him. And with a game like this that has to be won, I'll be picking my best available team. But it's interesting. Also, Tom Brown reporting just out of the Giants while we're on them. Significant changes in terms of their assistant coaches. Lenny Hayes set to walk away, Tom, and four out of their seven assistants may not return next year. So the carnage is, is starting to filter through wow. across all AFL clubs. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Um, I, do know, I did know that Adam Schneider was out of contract and he was in charge of um, you know, ball transition. So I'm not sure whether he's going to get another deal or not. I didn't know about Lenny Hayes. I know he's really well liked, but he's been there for a few years now, so maybe he wants another opportunity, or maybe for the soft cap. But I think this is happening across all clubs. The Giants need to shake it up somehow. We didn't think mm. it was going to result in them dropping the captain, uh, but certainly over the summer, presuming they don't go deep in finals, like we, we, we don't think they will, they need to shake, shake it up somehow. It won't be their senior coach. He's re-signed for another two years, so they need to find other methods to, uh, to I guess, re-spin the wheel, because what's happened this year just hasn't worked. It's been really disappointing. What is the hub like, mate? What day are you into, and, and when will you get some some more freedom? Uh, what what day are we into now? Well, it's Friday, so we've got uh, we leave on Tuesday, so we're about day nine or ten now. Um, oh, it's been great. The AFL set it up beautifully. It, I, know, I know there's been a lot of news stories around. Mm. You know, it's a, a swim up bar, and, and then it's just been everyone at the pu- at the bar till uh, till late at night. But it's absolutely not the case. There's no swim up bar, and the and the bar which is connected to the restaurant shuts at eight o'clock. So. Um, it's just been great getting around AFL people. It's really a privilege to be out and not wearing a mask. You know, when you can, when you're next to the pool, or when you're when you're walking around, you still got to wear a mask inside. There's still strict social distancing measures. Um, we've got a, uh, our third COVID test in the space of 10 days today. But there's 400 people here, lots of families, um, list managers, all sorts of different people, AFL commissioners, board members, um, recruiters, and then. You've got people like Andrew Mackey and Jared Ruffhead and Sam Monaghan who are helping coach the players that are here as well. So it is a privilege to be here. I am looking forward to getting out, but um, I also have 
know, I also spare a thought for people in Victoria because I was there when it was locked down and it was a, mm. not a good place to be. So it's a great thing that the AFL has done. Hugely expensive, uh, but hopefully we can finish the season and, and it will all be, all be worth it. Good on you, mate. Appreciate the update this morning. The big story out of the Giants. Thanks, Kane. Have a good day, mate. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Is there any um, reason to drop your skipper and give us your thoughts on the Giants doing that and making a massive selection statement before their game against Melbourne tomorrow night? Just some news out of that game and the Demons. Angus Brayshaw is out for the rest of the season. However long that is, Simon Goodwin has confirmed that this morning. So not good news for Angus Brayshaw. Rick is in Essendon. Stephen Canelio has been dropped. Rick, your thoughts? Yeah, hi, Kane. Um, look, I've been watching those games quite closely. Uh, I think his, his uh, teammates are upset with him. I, I've seen multiple times Josh Kelly just put his hands in the air because Cornelio doesn't give off an obvious handball. And he takes the kick and he just bombs it into the forward line. Same thing happened uh, this week with uh, Taranto. I think it's been going on for weeks and weeks where something... its not, I don't know what it is, but Cornelio trying to prove himself maybe as a captain. He's just lost his, his team awareness. Good and on you, Rick. he's the captain. Yep. And he's willed himself into that place. I think he's got to lead by example with unselfish football. Appreciate your thoughts, mate. Damo wants to speak about the Giants and this story. Damien, what's your thoughts? Good day, Kane. How are you? Good, thanks. Loving the show. You're doing a great job. Appreciate um, that. wanted to talk about the Giants. Um, who's in the captain of tomorrow night? Well, Davis good, is out? It's a good question. I think it'll be Toby Green. So uh, Toby Green is captain the side before, even though he's not in an official leadership in terms of uh, a role like that. But it'll be Green and or my Cameron. Second point, yep. Yep, my second point is um, I reckon you should be able to drop whoever you want um, as the coach, I guess, because the coach sort of looks after the team, so you should be able to drop whoever you want, I reckon. Even if the captain's not playing well, you should be able to drop him. It's like yeah. Hawthorne with Ben Stratton. I'm a Hawthorne supporter, and... You know, I reckon it's time for him to move on. So, yeah. Yeah, I've spoken about that as well. I think, you know, Stratton would be the one that's been at danger of losing that at times this year. I think, you know, when Taylor Walker was captain of the Crows, there was some talk that he may get dropped as skipper. So it's certainly been floated before, but for the coach to actually pull the trigger on it is a, is a bold and brave move, but one the Giants maybe needed. Phil Davis has also been ruled out for the year as well. He's actually back home in Sydney, so he's done. So, yeah, a lot of good players missing out of the Giants, of course. So after... The break. We're going to take more of your calls. One three hundred seven three six seven three six, and get your thoughts on the Canelio news and the Giants dropping their skipper. Is it the right move? Maddie Cruiser has called time on his career. The Bryce Gibbs situation at Adelaide, and I'm particularly interested in the Essendon fans who rang me up two weeks ago and gave me an absolute barrage on my take that Joe Danaher should still be traded from the Essendon Footy Club since that performance against Adelaide. He's managed nine disposals and no score, and he's been managed. Do you still hold the same strong views, Bombers fans? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 On SEN, the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Yes, welcome back to the Captain's Run. 13 minutes to 10 o'clock if you're with us in Adelaide at 17 minutes past nine. one 736 736 Bombers fans, you were strong not to trade Joe Danaher, or most of you were three weeks ago. Do you still feel the same way? You can have you say on that. Or any sporting topic that has caught your attention this morning. Jacob is in paradise. He joins me. Jacob, thanks for your call. 
No worries, Kane. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, just look, I support Port Adelaide, um, and we play a very high-risk uh, defensive style. And I just feel like within that system, you can't afford a liability such as Riley Bonner. He makes he doesn't uh, commit to contests enough. Uh, and I'm just wondering what we're doing with someone like Joel Garner, who we took a couple of years ago, and we just don't. I thought he was good when he came in last year, and we just I feel like that position could be his. It's really difficult to comment on selection when you don't see any form underneath. So for those players like Garner that uh, are playing in these you know, Mickey Mouse practice games that we don't get to see, it's hard to have a gauge on, on the form and where they're at. In terms of Bonner, I think he's got attributes that I like, but yeah, there's clearly some deficiencies in his game, his ball use at times, and those defensive contests you speak of. Laddams has been confirmed back into the side this week after that three-week coronavirus suspension. Michael Voss confirming that this morning. So they're going to go with two rucks again. Jay is in Mount Gambia. Connor McKenna has walked away from the AFL, who head back to Ireland. Jay, what was your thoughts on that? Yeah, Kane, uh, thanks for having me on, mate. Uh, great topic. Um, mate, I'm disappointed that the poor kids walked away prematurely. Uh, I really do believe it's media-driven. When he came back from Europe, he had a positive-negative test. Mm. Now, he, he got put through the ring on the Herald Sun, on the pages, and if I was a young fellow living in Europe, from Europe, away from home, I'd be questioning myself, is it all worth it? Or really, because the boy can play football. He's a gun. He's well, an absolute gun. No, no. So would he go home for 12 months, back to Ireland, get his head right? Because I think the poor kid may have had, you know, not mental health issues, but maybe question his self-worth. Maybe if I was a Sydney team or a Gold Coast where he's not going to get put through the ringer in the media, mm. give him another chance because the boy can actually play AFL football. You're right, and it's a, it's a good point that you make. 24 years of age, can he go home um, and, you know, scratch the itch, I guess, and then spend 12 months with his family, play some Gaelic footy, stay super fit, and come back to Australia for, I don't know, five, six years, finish a pretty lucrative AFL career, and then head back home. So it would certainly be worth exploring for those clubs to stay in touch with him and keep in contact, but I, I can't speak of his mindset, so I'm not sure clearly his priorities lie in, in getting home. Can I just ask you out there, um, these, there's a lot of coronavirus gurus out there at the moment, and I know it's not sport-related, but you just got me thinking there, Jay, on the false positive with the reclassifications with coronavirus, so yesterday, you know, there may have been 50-odd coronavirus cases in Victoria. 11 are reclassified. Why isn't it the second figure, the reclassified figure, which would have been 40s again yesterday, and today, what's well, there, 43 or something, so there may be seven or eight reclassified. Why don't they go off the reclassified figure? Why are they still reporting on the news that it's 50-odd cases when 11 were either false positives or they had been duplicated? Why do they not report on that figure? I've never understood it. 0433981116. Can someone please fill me in on that? Keith is in Perth. Hey, Keith, who captains the Giants this weekend? G'day, Kane. I reckon it's a no-brainer who captains them this week. It's uh, Matty DeBoer. Um, Matty DeBoer. leadership personified, and he uh, sets the example for him every week. So I reckon it's an easy option for Leon this week. It is, well, is 212. Is it really? Well, what a pickup he's been for them. The thing that really annoys me about the way that Leon Cameron uses Matt DeBoer, and I've been a pretty big supporter of Leon Cameron, but why does Matt DeBoer play and not tag at times? Like, I was there on Tuesday, and I see Matt DeBoer 
Rory Laird's had 18 contested possessions, 11 clearances, and has been far and away the most dominant player on the ground. Why doesn't he go and stand alongside him? I look up and Matt DeBoer's playing as a half forward, getting four possessions for the game. I don't understand it. The Giants are a better team when he plays a run with roll. So if he doesn't go to Petraka this week, they may as well give up. But uh, I wouldn't have him as the captain. I'd have uh, my man, Toby Green, as the skipper. I think he's um, the best option to have as the Giants captain in the absence of Stephen Canelio. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I wanted to play this just this quick piece of audio from Patrick Dangerfield, who joined Jared Waitley yesterday on the big spearhead Tom Hawkins. I think we've got the best player in the competition in Tom Hawkins. I think if you're announcing an MVP of the of the league, then he is it. He's just been extraordinary, really. We rate him incredibly high internally anyway, always have, even if he haven't, hasn't always received the port externally. This year, though, he's just been wonderful, to be frank. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 After... The 10 o'clock news, I'm going to take your calls. Is Tom Hawkins the best player in the game? What do you reckon? I don't think he is. I think the man that said those words is the best player in the competition. I think that is Patrick Dangerfield. But is he the most influential player? If you take Hawkins out of his team, is he the most valuable to any team in the comp? And if that's the case of what Danger has said, should the coaches, the umpires, the media start to weight heavier on what people outside of the midfield are doing and what players are contributing outside of the midfield because you look at all the coaches' votes, the AFL Media Awards, the Brownlow, and Hawkins won't feature, but there's no doubt he should. Who's the best player in the ground? I reckon it's Dangerfield, one 736 736 Don't forget, this is your sporting life on Sunday from 10. Sam Edmund talks to one of the great defenders of his generation, that is Josh Gibson, all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Give us a call. Is Hawkins the best player in the game? Finals are nearly here for Repco Authorised Service and Blunston Boots. An outpouring of emotion from Mark Williams. He's the proudest man in the land tonight. There it is. It's all over. They have the power to win. For expert car service you can rely on, visit repcoservice.com and Blunston Boots. Ultimate protection, ultimate comforts. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. I'd love for you to get involved over the next couple of hours. Big show coming up. Looking forward to speaking to Sydney Swans superstar Luke Parker, who will join us very, very shortly. We're going to speak some NBA, some NFL, and some tennis with Sam Groth as well. But most importantly, it is your calls, 1-300-736-736. The NFL returns today with the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs in action. To tell us all about it is Adrian Jansen from the Aussie Guys NFL podcast. Adrian, thanks for your time. How you doing? Some would say it's Christmas Day. Oh, NFL kickoff. It was something that we, uh, I think a few months ago, we were thinking maybe it wasn't going to happen. But look, we're here, and it looks like the NFL season is going to roll. So, uh, fingers crossed. Were you one of those who weren't confident it would come back? Yeah, I had my doubts. Uh, and, you know, it's still 
it's still a bit touch and go. The NFL obviously didn't have a pre-season. So, you know, teams have all been, well, not in in a bubble as such, not like the, the NBA or the NHL, but teams have sort of been locked into their facilities more or less. So it'll be interesting to see how the season plays out now that everyone will be sort of, uh, you know, travelling across the country and uh, doing all of that sort of thing. How will it work, do you think? Because we've seen you reference the NBA where you can lock in the teams into a bubble, no one comes, no one goes, pretty safe environment. This is completely different. I know no crowds, but travel involved and clearly mixing with more people and squads are bigger. You know, squads of, you know, what are they, up to 60, 70 players from any one team. So are you concerned that, you know, it may be halted at some point throughout the year? Well, I think that's a realistic concern. Uh, I think we can certainly see, look, the AFL had a bit of a, you know, start and stop. Uh, look, I think that's a, a definite possibility. We'll just have to cross our fingers and and see what happens. I I think, you know, they've, they've been able to see how other sporting codes have, have rolled out their seasons, uh, you know, and had had their uh, challenges. So hopefully they're across it. I mean, look, the NFL's a, an organisation that's not, um, you know, stuck for cash or <laughs> resources. So mm. hopefully they've got a plan and they're going to sort of, uh, you know, get across the line. And uh, I think we all, I mean, people across the world, we sort of... Uh, you know, I think we, we need sport, don't we? We need uh, we need this sort of for our mental health. So the big <laughs> the big storyline this morning is that the Super Bowl winning Chiefs take on the Texans, and it's the first uh, time we'll have a look at Pat Mahomes, who's the best player in the game since he signed that massive, what half a billion dollar contract. Uh, they're going <laughs> yes. to be once again very difficult to beat. Oh my word! In actual fact. Um, uh, Deshaun Watson, who's going to be on the other side of the field, uh, has also just signed a big extension. So now you've got the two biggest extensions in the game on the field at the same time, and they were picked two picks apart in the 2017 draft. So uh, how's that for synergy? It's amazing. <laughs> a pretty expensive couple of duos, maybe the most expensive duo in world sport right now. The other big storyline will be Tom Brady uh, joining Tampa Bay. Uh, that'll be one to follow throughout the year, no doubt. Oh, my word. And they've, they've certainly... I mean, the, the, the saying that was coming to, to my mind was um, that saying about, a, you know, is it a champion team or a team of champions? Mm. And they certainly have, you know, they've, they've got Leonard Fournette uh, in the fold now. Uh, they've got Gronk, obviously. So Brady and Gronk connection will be going full steam ahead. And that receiving core in terms of Bay is uh, one of the best in the league, for sure. Well, Will he so, straight in, Tom? Will he? Will... On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. As always, we will take your calls very shortly. Sam Groth is going to join us. Naomi Osaka won the first set in her semi-final action, the U.S. Open. She's up against the American Brady. Seven six. She won it. Now on serve in the second 2-1. Dan is in Rye. Hey, Dan, Jack Viney, good fit for Geelong, or are you from the Melbourne perspective? Um, definitely from the Melbourne perspective, Kane. I, I want us to keep keep Jack. He's heart and soul, 
and a wonderful player. And the player that I would like to see us put on the trade table is Angus Brayshaw, who was pick three about five years ago. I think we'd get a second-round pick for him, and I'd mm. rather us do that than get a first-round pick for Jack Viney. Good on you. Appreciate your thoughts there, Dan. Um, Brayshaw, just repeating the news, has been ruled out for the season. Simon Goodwin, the Melbourne coach, confirming that this morning. So it is a two- to three-month recovery from the foot injury that he's suffering. So significant news out of Melbourne. However long their season goes for from here, he won't be a part of it. Enzo is in Echuca. Enzo, good morning to you. Oh, good morning, Kano. Um, if, if Jack Viney would want to leave, I, I think Melbourne should keep him. But if he wanted to leave, if I was Melbourne, I wouldn't be worrying about what compensation they would get from Viney. I would, I would use that and say, OK, let's go for a free agent ourselves. And I would be going after Cameron at uh, GWS because we've got Sam Wiedemann who's about to take the next step as uh, one of the, uh, you know, a good, mm. uh, good full forward. And he and he won't he won't take that next step unless he has help. Because now that McDonald, Tom McDonald has fallen off a cliff, we need another big forward to um, to to let um, Wiedemann take that another another big step. Otherwise, he won't be able to he won't be able to do it all by himself. He needs enough. You, you need two big forwards. Every team needs you two you big. Yeah, it, it fascinates me where Melbourne see themselves. And we'll, we'll get a pretty good idea of that about how they go about it in the trade period. Do, do they go for another free agent like that? Do they head to the draft and try and build on the two elite draft picks that they got in last year? Where do they see their weaknesses? Clearly one of them is what you're saying, Enzo, is a big forward. Not a lot of them available. Uh, or do they just have a mini reset and go to the draft and heavily invest in that if players like Viney leave and they get some picks in? So a lot of clubs in a similar position and what they do will be will be fascinating. Hey, good text coming through. Aren't Amazon currently filming the GWS season? Will be fascinating to watch the Canelio axing scene. Well, yeah, they're, they're following both the Giants and Stephen Canelio was one of the biggest um, stars of this Amazon documentary as well. So, cannot wait to watch that. Also looking forward to season two of To Hell and Back which will document the Melbourne pre-season once again. Baz is in Coburg. You want to speak about coaches, Baz? Have you got a ruthless one? Which team do you support? Morning, Kona. Yeah, uh, I support Carlton. Coburg isn't ruthless at the moment. So I just think he's trying to win over the players. But uh, I think the more success Carlton gets, I think it will eventually grow to that final role. Most of the coaches you notice that are successful are the ones that have got a good mix of yes. good guys that can be ruthless. That, that, and that was my point. So I've written about it, and I think your summation's pretty good of David T. He doesn't have it yet. He's too nice for me at the moment, um, but I think he can grow into that, as I think Matthew Nix can do as well. And I think Nixie's just started to show little inklings of it. You know, moving on, Rory Atkins, at the time that he did, I thought that was, all. Oh, hang on, I didn't didn't know Matthew Nix, and however involved he was in that decision, I, I would think it would be significant. I thought, well, that was a ruthless decision for Nix to do that. So I think Teague and Nix, it'll always be a challenge for them because of their their nature and they just seem like genuinely nice people but often being nice and having success as a coach doesn't mix and I look at the best coaches in history name me one who didn't have a ruthless side it's really it's really hard to do it one 736 736 just on the Amazon documentary at the moment the stars of the series include Peggy O'Neill 
the president of Richmond, clearly Nick Natanui, Stewie Jew, Stephen Canelio, that man. So that'll be fascinating content. Eddie Betts and Rory Sloan from the Adelaide Football Club. Well, he's a big footy fan, my next guest, but he was also a superstar tennis player and now a gun in the media. Sam Groth joins me. Grothy, thanks for your time. Kane, good morning. Uh, we are in semi-final action at the moment. Live scores. Osaka won the first set. It's currently on serve 2-2 against her American opponent, Brady. Who who you liked, Grothy, prior to the start of the tournament? Yeah, I did. She came in with a lot of form and yeah, it's a big hitting going on in this one. Osaka got through the first set tiebreak pretty comfortably, but Brady settling in nicely here. Hasn't let her level drop off in the second set, but yeah, big uh, well morning for us, but a night over there of women's action. Of course, Serena Williams and Azarenka coming up next. So, you know, four big hitters in the women's semi-final. That's for sure. Mm. So let's go back to yesterday's action and Alex Demonor was on court about this time yesterday and didn't really trouble the scorers, Grothy, but all in all a pretty successful campaign winning through to his first quarters. Oh, a huge effort from Demon, obviously, to get to the quarterfinals, a big step up for him. But talk about big hitting. Well, Dominic team, he, he epitomises that on the men's side of things. And when you look through the stats, he, he ruled off 44 winners in three sets of tennis. That's, yeah, extremely impressive stuff. And it was a dominant performance. I think the next step for Demon is going to be exactly that, working out how he can win points a little bit more easily. We know he covers the court well. We know he competes like a champion. But... When you're going to play the likes of team, you know, for a long time to come, uh, Zverev, you know, these big hitting young guys, um, Demon's definitely got um, the mentality. Uh, I think he's just got to find an easier way for himself to win. I think that's going to be his, his next challenge, especially when you've got to play best of five sets of the majors. How do you get that when you when you do have the frame that he's got? I mean, not dissimilar to, to Leighton Hewitt and some other, you know, even right back to Michael Chang and these guys who are absolute just they're competitive animals, but they don't have the physical stature in modern Grand Slam tennis to compete with these big hitters. What would you be doing if you were a demon to go to that next level? Well, I'll tell you what, it's easy to, to sit here on my couch watching, watching the yeah. US Open here to say that you, know, you need to find ways to win points easier. And you're right, you can't just all of a sudden grow six inches yeah. in height and find more on your serve. Um, it's probably going to be a little bit technical. I think if he can beef his serve up a little bit, at least get a few more points or three points um, behind that. So you don't have to start every point from sort of 50-50. Whether that's, you know, hitting spots a little bit better accuracy, maybe it's, you know, I'm not sure what he thinks Mm. of his team, but maybe it's a racket change. We saw Federer Mm. go through that a few years ago. We went from the small-headed racket, um, get a few more square inches in the frame, and, you know, all of a sudden he found it a little bit easier to to hit some winners, and he did that to combat Rafa. Well, Demon's going to have to do things to combat lots of team um, you know, for a lot of years to come. He's still so young. He's made this rapid rise, but he's going to have to keep making improvements. Did read this morning, um, there was a report that the US Open ratings are down 46%. Now, part of that is, is clearly because it's competing with the NBA final season as well and some other things on court. But Nick Kyrgios chipped in and said, well, perhaps it's because I'm not there. But he's got a point. I mean, he, he's a ratings winner, Nick Kyrgios, wherever and whenever he's playing. For sure. And obviously we needed tennis to come back, but you look at the guys that draw the crowd and even if, just, yeah. even if you just think about ticket sales here at the Australian Open when these players play, no Roger Federer, he's a blockbuster, not just in tennis, but you know, globally, sport, outside of sport, everyone knows who the guy is. Rafael Nadal, you can almost put in the same uh, category as that. And then you know, Nick, whether you like him or you don't like him, well, it's normally you either love Nick Kyrgios or you hate Nick Kyrgios. There's not really anyone who sits in, in the middle too often, but which, whichever way you see, you tune in to watch him. And yep. 
you know, it's very bold of him to come out and say that and say, well, look at me, I'm missing, people want to watch me. But it's, it's sort of true as well because people do turn up. People turn up to see him crack, crack it and, and lose the plot and all the antics. And people turn up to see some of the amazing stuff he can do on the court. And, you know, at the moment he, he's making the decision to not play, um, you know, for obvious reasons around coronavirus. But we all want to see him back on court because he is an entertainer. I think this is the thing that sometimes people miss with sport is it's an entertainment product. It's not sport like it was 30 years ago where people just played for the fun of it, um, you know, for, for no money, no, you know, no crowds, the TV broadcast rights. It's an entertainment product and Nick is an entertainer. Mm, no doubt about it. Hey, uh, there is a big game. I'm looking forward to Medvedev and team, I should say, the three and number two seed in that. The other semi final is Carino Buster, which I'm not much familiar with his work, uh, Grothy. He's up against Zverev, the fifth seeded uh, German. So, still some really enthralling contests to win through to the final. But certainly, is. you look at the, the three young guys now, you mentioned Zverev, Medvedev and team. Well, they're ones for the future. Busto, well, Karina Busto, this is his second ever US Open semi-final. So he hasn't come from nowhere. It's just mm. the fact that he's probably about the fifth or sixth-ranked Spaniard at 25 in the world. That's how good that country's going with their tennis. And when you think about the players they've had over the years, he sort of flies under the radar a little bit. But yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. He got through a tough one in five sets. But you know, I think the exciting thing is, and you know, maybe the, the numbers may be down, but we're going to get a new Grand Slam champion and it gives us a real look to the future in men's tennis. Who do you think it'll be on the men's side? I think teams probably the, the most likely. Just yeah, he he's been the one that's sort of been the bridesmaid, hasn't he? A little bit to you know Djokovic this year at the Australian Open and Rafa in two French Open finals. Um, they're two guys you don't really want to run into at those tournaments. They hold all the records at those events for the for the most championships. So yeah, he's sort of almost done his apprenticeship now, and you know for him it's just going to be how does he handle that pressure of being the favourite? Um, it's a different can... pressure now. He's going to go into a semi or a final. Well, he's got, to, he's got to deal with that pressure and he's expected to probably win now. And on the female side, can Serena do it and make it 24? Oh, you're bold to, to bet against her. Um, <laughs> you know, when, you've won, when you've won 23, you've got a pretty good record, but I think it's just the recent record that you, gives you the doubt. You know, she's lost four slam finals trying to get to this record. I mean, Asaka's playing unbelievable tennis as I watch this now. And to be honest, Azarenka, with all the trouble she's been through, um, she obviously had a child, but then she had a, a bit of sort of custody battle that didn't allow her to leave the United States and be able to travel the world. So she had a long break, and she looks like she's back playing you know, some high-quality tennis. I think this is going to be today the, the real test for Serena. If she gets through today, um, I think without the crowd in New York, that you know, obviously she's had some um, tumultuous times there in the last couple of years. Um, we all remember the situation with the chair umpire and the coaching scenario from not too long ago. Um, if she can get through uh, an Azarenka who's playing incredibly well, then you know, without that crowd there, you've got to think that that maybe just relieves a little bit of that pressure on Serena and gives her an opportunity to finally get to number 24. And what's your thoughts about Ash Barty? Uh, she did initially, she pulled out of the US, of course, uh, for the reasons which we all understand. She did initially put her name down to, to go to the French Open, but has recently this week pulled out. When do you think we'll see her back? Oh, I mean, I was hoping we would obviously see her in Paris. Um, yeah. You know, if you take tennis out of the equation, you know, what's going on in France right now, it's escalating again, this coronavirus situation. And you compare to what they did in New York, creating this sort of bio-bubble and you see no fans in the stands and the players sitting. You know, they've made all the corporate suites, actually, around Arthur Ashe Stadium, the player individual sort of lounge room, locker room scenario. Well, Paris has got none of that. They've got fans on site, um, 
you know, the players are a little worried about that situation. I think it would have been an incredibly hard decision. You, you win your first Grand Slam in Paris, you're the defending champion, and you don't go back. I'm sure it was a decision that took a lot of thought. Um, you know, we'll see her back in January, no doubt. Um, we'll have, an, as I said, I think we spoke yesterday. We'll have an Australian Open in January for sure. Um, in, in Melbourne, you know, I, I'd love to see in Melbourne. It's not, it's not going to go anywhere. It'll be in Melbourne. Um, yeah, obviously, there's been a lot of go, that goes in behind the scenes in terms of contracts and support from governments and sponsors that, that link a tournament to a certain place as well. That's why we saw the US Open being played in New York, even with all their struggles. So I've no doubt. You know, Craig Tyler's come out this week. Well, what what the tournament looks like? That's that's still a long way off. So who knows? Mm. But you know, come January, we'll see Ash. And you know, I, I think I would have loved to see her defend a French Open title. But you know, everyone makes the decision that they think is best for them, and you know, that's the one that she's made. And I, and I guess all we can do is you know trust that that was the right move. I hope you're right. Um, whether there's crowds there or not, if there was crowds, how do you think Novak Djokovic would be received by the Australian public? <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I don't always think he's received that well by a lot of crowds. Um, yeah, he just divides opinion. You either you either like Novak, and his fans are always a hundred hundred percent supportive of him, but he doesn't necessarily necessarily engage with your average fan um, like some of the other players on tour do. And you know, you think about some of the antics you know, recently through through this year. Um, I don't think he's done himself any favours in winning that general population over. Well, we'll wait and see. I hope you're right, Grothy. Hey, mate, always appreciate your time. An absolute gun. Um, continuing on from an amazing tennis career and making your way in the media, doing a great job, mate. Appreciate your time as always. Thanks, Kay. I really appreciate it, mate. Have a good one. Live scores, Jennifer Brady, 4-3. She leads on serve in the second set of that uh, semi-final action at the US Open. Naomi Osaka won the first. And up shortly, just warming up at the moment, Serena Williams in a blockbuster up against as Arenka. AK in Brunswick has been waiting so patiently. Let's quickly sneak in a couple of your calls, mate. You want to speak about the Hawks? Thanks for joining me. No, it's Kane. How you going? Good, thanks. Just got a couple of points. Just got a couple of points I want to talk about. Uh, the first one is, what's going on between you and Mr. Clarkson, mate? It's been all year up and down, been giving it to you every time he speaks something. And um, it's just, you're always down his throat, mate. I, I don't know what's going on down there between you two. You probably saw upset on the Plurry final that Port Adelaide Hawthorne beat, beat you, that was you guys. That was rough, um, okay. Yeah, I just think I think he just down his throat every time uh, he says something because he speaks his mind. Mm. I know you get I know you get paid what you uh, in the media and this and that, but I just think uh, that that's my first point. And my second point is uh, Monday night, Caroline Rawson. Uh, she's a uh, I mean she's a mad Richmond supporter, but on that on that day on that night, she was uh, these Richmond boys were in trouble on the weekend at the Gold Coast. If that was a if that was a if that was a Collingwood or Hawthorne players, what do you reckon she would have done? She would have absolutely think, ripped into one. Yeah, I think you're right, AK. I think she might have been a little bit harsher. We've challenged her on that before, um, but I appreciate your call. No, I'm nothing. I, I love Clarko. Who was lucky enough? He was my midfield coach for well, a couple of seasons at Port Adelaide. He's a ripper, and you don't need to speak about him and where he sits in the game. But I think he's acting like a sook. Uh, I think, you know, he's not handling losing well at all. And um, I think there's a number of examples of that. Quickly go to Craig in Bendigo. He wants to speak about the Lions. G'day, Craig. G'day, Shane. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. That's right. Just a couple of points. 
Um, I thought I've never been a big fan of Cam Rayner. Um, just his attitude towards being hard at the ball. But Wednesday night, I thought he was just absolutely super a couple of times, especially in that third quarter. He was really tough and hard. But I was wondering what you thought about someone like Ben Brown going up to Brisbane and Brisbane. giving Eric Hipwood a bit of a chop out. Don't mind it. Think think it's think it's a fit. I, I love Hipwood as a player. I think he's going to be a, an extreme talent. We know that. Um, and Cam Rainey, you're right, play well. But the, the most ridiculous thing I've seen was that snap from the top of the goal square. Go back and kick your four, son. Kick a ten meter drop punt and kick your fourth. That snap was was extraordinary. But now he's improving. Um, ben Brown, not the worst idea I've heard, but I, I think they're okay. I, I think they're pretty stocked. And I think as Hipwood fills out, he will command that key position role. So don't mind me. Day, don't mind Hipwood. I'm not as concerned about their forward structure as a lot of others are. Tiger Bill, have you got a ruthless coach? G'day, Sugar. Thanks for taking the call. Yes, um, you can guess who I'm talking about. He wore number 11 at Essen, and I think he probably wore the same number at Port. You played with him? I think he did, yeah. Damien Hardwick. Yes, there was something about him I didn't like when he used to play for Essen. Same. For all these years, I finally figured it out, Sugar. He wasn't on our side, <laughs> and now, and now he is. He's well, you're us right, back, my yeah. friend. He's taking yeah, us yeah. one, taking us back there again. He's going to take us again. There's something about him. He's got some kind of controlled venom, controlled anger. He's got the death stare. He picks his targets, three quarter time addresses, all of the above. I like him. In Dimmer, we trust. We say down at Tigerland, my fine feathered friend. In yeah, Dimmer, good on we you, mate. Nah, I, and, and good on you. You're lucky he's on your team, and I, I was with you. I couldn't stand him when he played for Essendon for whatever reason, and then he comes and plays on your team. I think this is the best team I've ever had. There was another one as well. I, for whatever reason, Angus Monfries used to annoy me when he played for Essendon, but then he came to us and one of top five best ever teammates, Angus Monfries, that I've ever played with. Was there a person out there, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, a player that played on the opposition that you just didn't like, but then you met them or they came to your club and you loved them? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Time for the latest news headlines. The Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Uh, welcome back to The Captain's Run. Busy morning. We've spoken about the barrage of abuse I caught from the Carlton faithful on the back of Sam Walsh putting together a very fine season and some good form. So I've accepted that, but I did respond. Um, we've also spoken a lot about Stephen Canilio, the first captain in 22 years to be dropped from his side, Tom Morris, with that breaking story earlier on in the show. Is Tom Hawkins the best player in the AFL? His teammate Patrick Dangerfield says, So, Geelong fans, Viney or Crouch, which way would you go for in Melbourne? How would you feel about letting him go? And has there been a player that played for another club but then joined your club, one that you disliked? but then you quickly liked when he joined your team. Slow start to the NFL. It is scoreless about halfway through the first quarter between the Chiefs and the Texans. And in the US Open semi-final between Brady and Osaka, it is a set-all into the third. Osaka on serve 1-0 in the third set, so that one going down to the wire. Andy's on the road. Tell us about a player, Andy, who you disliked and now you loved. Oh, hey, Kane. Uh, first, I'll, uh, I'll agree with you. I don't often do it, but I'll agree with you regarding Walsh. He'll be a, um, he'll be a vanilla 
player for uh, 250 games, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that because you know what you're going to get at the start of the uh, the game. But I, yep. I do agree with you. At that next six or seven after that, they'll be they'll be up and down. But I know which player I would want overall as a number one draft pick. I, I'd want a game changer, um, one that can kick you you know three goals in in, in five minutes and finish a team off. And I, that's not Walsh, but that's just my opinion. That might be yours as well. Um, but one player that I couldn't stand when he was at Carlton, but he's um, he's come up and he's um, he's developed a lot of youngsters along um, alongside him. Is uh, Mitch Robinson of the Brisbane Lions? He's been absolutely elite, and I think we didn't get him for much. We didn't pay much. He might have actually been for nothing uh, or close to. But he's been absolutely elite. That is the prime example of that. When he plays for the opposition, you dislike him as soon as he comes to your club. Oh, happy days! We've got a ripper here. Byron Pickett wasn't wasn't dislikable, but he was frightening when he played for the opposition. And geez, you're glad when he came and played on your team. Janine is on the line, and you want to speak about Choco Williams. Janine, welcome to the Captain's Run. Oh, hi, Kane. Um, yeah, um, when he was actually coach of Port Adelaide, could not stand him. Really? Um, I think we, we played you in a, uh, was a ga- obviously a game towards the end of the season, and you guys were headed for finals, and of course we were headed for probably a wooden spoon or something. Um, and he Who, actually who's your team, out. Janine? Qu- quickly, who's Rich- your team? Richmond. 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 Right. Um, he absolutely paid out on our tactics and the way we played, and I just sat there and I thought, I don't like you. And, <laughs> and then, of course, years later... Came to Richmond um, in his role, and we went to a family day, his first family day there. My daughter had a photo with him, and he was so nice. I asked how long she'd been a Richmond member, who her favourite player was, and he did it with a smile on his face. And I'm mm. thinking, I'm standing back watching, thinking, I think I really like you now. <laughs> and, it almost makes you feel just, guilty, doesn't it? He was the it? nicest bloke. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. And he was just the nicest bloke. And, um, you know, I think quite happily have him back. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Great, great call, yeah. Janine. Love it. So is there someone that was on the opposition as soon as they joined your team or you just happened to meet them? Might have been down the street. You had a perception of this person, but you met them. You thought, oh, hang on. Maybe they're not that bad after all. Nathan wants to speak about the Hawthorne Footy Club, I believe. Nathan, welcome to you. Uh, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, the first person I just could not stand when they played for him was Brian Lake at the Western Bulldogs. And then he came over in those three years. You loved him? You know, he, he couldn't have a better three years. <laughs> three premierships than a Norm Smith. And then yeah. the second was uh, Chad Winger. I just, I'm absolutely loving the ace of weapon. But then so when he was at you, Port, I could not You disliked him. him. You disliked him at Port. What, why? Oh. Was that, was that the, there is a I bit of a perception arrogant, of arrogance. Yeah. But at Hawthorne, I love the arrogance. <laughs> Yeah, no, and that, that that that's fair. It is it is funny. I mean, there's a lot of good people involved in footy clubs, and usually, you have a perception of an opposition player, but then you get to meet them, and you cross paths with them, or you end up you know playing representative games, or they join you as a club. And you think, oh, geez, this guy's a good bloke. Most players are very very good blokes. You don't get too many bad eggs in a footy club, otherwise they find themselves out the door pretty quickly. Let's go to Shane on the road, Shane O. Shane O, how you going, mate? Good, thanks. Um, I'm a Swanee supporter and, and I could not believe that uh, we recruited Buddy Franklin because I thought he was big, arrogant, overrated and uh, like one of your callers talking about uh, Choco Williams, similar situation to, uh, to myself happened um, 
and what a bloody superstar, mate. Like, seeing him around people and seeing him around you know, his teammates, everyone just falls in love with him. Superstar. Yep, uh, well said. I wish uh, I got to play with him. In fact, I did. Uh, no one to talk about myself, but did get to play with him once, and it was an absolute highlight in that Victoria versus the All Stars game back in two thousand and eight. And he was he was an absolute ripper. The other one as well. He used to play a lot on Andrew McLeod from the Crows, and he was always really humble. Bungie and didn't say too much, but. Uh, when I tagged him and annoyed the hell out of him and then joined up as teammates. There was a bit of awkwardness in that, it must be said, but he was also an absolute ripper. Hey, we're going to uh, follow up a story just regarding Channel 7 and Cricket Australia as well. Just There may be some, some rumours. Just I know it's been spoken about a lot with the broadcast deal and where that is exactly at and whether Channel 7 will commit and go through with their commitment to cricket. Um, there's just some things coming through on social media that may not be the case, which would be a massive story in the landscape of Australian cricket. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. In fact, it was confirmed from Ben Horn uh, from News Limited reporting Channel 7 have commenced the process to terminate its contract with Cricket Australia. That is a huge story. We will follow that one up for you. Johnny's in the studio doing a magnificent job. Johnny, hit the phones. We'll get someone on to have a chat about that. Plenty more coming up on the Captain's Run next. On SEN, the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. 0433981116. Heaps of texts coming through of players that you disliked and they came to your club or you met them. We'll whip through a few of those shortly. But uh, massive story just in the landscape of cricket in this country. And this is from Ben Horn in the Daily Tele- Telegraph reporting this morning. And Ben's been following this story closely and it has been on the agenda. But he stated today that Channel 7 have commenced the process to terminate its contract with Cricket Australia. So it is an escalation of the TV rights drama. News Corp understands that the network sent a legal letter to CA bosses earlier this week informing them that they would begin the process to cancel the remainder of the $450 million deal, citing a belief that Cricket Australia is in breach of their contract. Of course, there's been um, concerns from Seven about the quality of players coming out from the Big Bash and, and maybe they would get a substandard product. There's also been some scheduling issues and a lack of information coming through with that. So it's definitely a situation that we'll follow throughout this morning and have put a couple of calls in and, and we'll try and get to the latest on that very, very shortly. 0433981116. Gary Rowan couldn't stand him at the Swans, but I love him as a cat. Um, David Reese jones when he was our friend, he was a ripper. Jared Waite at Carlton annoyed me every weekend. Then at the Kangas, I loved him. Acker thought he was a complete knob in the media, and then I met him. Really good bloke. Josh Carr, yeah, that's, a, that's a good one, Josh Carr. He's another one I couldn't stand when he was at Freeman when he left, um, but he's a ripper. Nathan Buckley is a player. I hated him, but I love him as a coach. Jack Watts seemed an overrated prima donna until I heard him on with Bob and Andy. Totally changed my opinion of him. And you, Kane, at Port, you were no good. But on SEN, you're the king. Nice little backhanded compliment coming through there. Keep the discussion continuing. We're going to speak to Swan Gun Luke Parker very, very shortly. More of your calls, and we'll put a couple of calls in to get to the bottom of this cricket situation, a huge one with Channel 7 and the broadcast rights. 
Yeah, welcome back. Massive last hour coming up before Dwayne Russell, the guru, doing a magnificent job, takes over at 12 o'clock. Plenty we need to get through in that time. We're going to hear from Bryce Gibbs very, very shortly, who joined SENSA this morning and spoke about his impending retirement in his last game on Sunday for the Crows, game number 268, and his last against his former side after announcing his retirement yesterday. So we'll hear about that very, very shortly. A gun of the AFL is going to join us. Some live scores. It is the Texans leading the Chiefs in somewhat of an upset in the first quarter so far. They lead 7-0. to zero. And in the US Open semi-final between Asaka and Brady, uh, Naomi Osaka has got the break in the fourth set, in the third set, I should say. She leads four games to zero. The Swans, they take on the Lions in Cairns on Sunday night and one of their best players and one of the more admired players in the game is our next guest, Luke Parker. Luke, thanks for your time. Hey, Kane. How you going, mate? I'm good. Uh, how are you holding up uh, in this crazy season? You, you're almost a veteran now. You're about to turn 28, played a lot of footy. How's the body? Yeah, it's going all right. Like, it's um, obviously a, a different circumstances, but... I think as a as a whole, it's in a, in a way been a good thing for our group coming through. It's um, being able to spend a lot of time together, building those relationships, and um, I think personally, for me, I've, I've enjoyed that. And um, obviously, you, you get towards the end of the season, you're always um, trying to push through with your body body and battle through a few few things. But um, look, we've got we've got a week and a half left, and mm. um, playing against two of the top sides, and, and looking forward to. Uh, testing ourselves out. You've played in a, an unbelievably successful era. I mean, you've played in 18 finals, and every year you're in and amongst it. But you must be somewhat proud of the efforts of a, of a young group this year to do what you've done under significant adversity. Yeah, I think the thing for me is I've been blessed to be a part of a team that's always been right up the pointy end, and uh, now it's, it's my turn to help um, drive this next group to the to the next level and, and how they've um, handled this year is is really good. We've obviously had some um, ups and downs and um, but, but as a whole I think we've had a, a real positive outcome and, and hopefully it'll set us up for the for the year to come. Um, we obviously know there's still a, a handful of our um, top 10, top 10, 15 players who aren't playing and mm. um, but the young guys who, who have stood up and got a lot of game time, it'll hold them in good stead for the, for the future. So that being said, is is what's been asked of the players this year been too much? I mean, it has been enough for a lot of your players to go down injured. Now, I know a lot of that maybe not as a result to the demanding schedule, but has it been too much to ask of what the players have been put through this year? I think that we always knew that to keep the game going, there was going to have to be sacrifices from from both ends. And um, look, I think the players have done an unbelievable job to, to... um, relocate their families, their their lives to different states, and continue the season um, as it's gone. And as I said, there's as you've seen, there's many, probably a few more injuries this year, and blokes are really pushing themselves um, to the limit. And I hope that's been um, acknowledged out there by the AFL and the and the fans, and um, just the the boys want to continue to put on a show, um, and they're doing so. Um, but at, at times, it's going to take a toll. So there's been talk about, you know, floated 28-game seasons and shorter this and shorter that. Are you supportive of more football or you think the 22-game season, as it's been for a while, is the right amount? I don't mind that, yeah, the 22-game seems 
about right. I can understand the, um, the kind of luxury of having a few extra games and mm. um, more TV and, and, and obviously more revenue into the game. And uh, it's just getting the balance right um, between what, what the boys' bodies can actually handle, how long the season will go for. Uh, but no doubt, I think it's a, it's definitely going to be a talking point. Um, one, I'm not, I'm not 100% against. I, I love playing footy and whether it's a shorter pre-season and, and you get into the season earlier, um, I think that's up for discussion. But I, I'd be open to the, yeah, to the um, possibility of that. So you mentioned a week and a half to go for your boys and it starts clearly against Brisbane on Saturday. What, what have you been told about your future plans, like in terms of dates for pre-seasons, if any at all? When are you expecting to be back? Look, it's up in the air at the moment where um, I think the club's got to go through a few planning things with in terms of the soft cap um, and what the staff looks like next year. I think we're waiting to hear back from the AFL in terms of list sizes and, and salary cap and um, I don't think we're going to probably get those answers until uh, the season's finished. So uh, once we finished up, it might be a bit of a, a month or so in limbo until we get some answers. But um, I, I, in terms of how Melbourne's going and stuff, I'm not too sure how quickly we get back to pre-season training. It might be um, late December or if not um, early next year. So that'd be probably my guess of where it, where it'll be heading. What are your plans post-season? Will, will you stay in Queensland or, or what are you planning on doing? No, nah, so I'll get back to Sydney. Um, my girlfriend's down there and, and we've uh, just finished building a new house, actually, which I haven't got to see. So nice. um, we look forward to getting back there. And she's, her family's got a um, holiday house down the coast. So I think we'll probably just spend a bit of time there and, and weigh up what the border restrictions look like um, as the time goes. So it'll be nice to see some family. Um, but, but we'll just wait and see. But I'll, um, I'll be heading back to... New South Wales and a few of the other boys, probably about 50% of our team will stay in Queensland and have a bit of fun up here. But, mm. um, yeah, the other half will head back. Sounds good. There's, there's been a bit of talk about that and you're, you're an experienced leader of the club now and, and across the competition. Would you be concerned about some of your teammates sticking around? I know you know 95% of the players would absolutely do the right thing, but it is a risky time for young men. What would be the instruction from the club or the AFL as to those guys that are sticking around in Queensland? Oh, I think there will be definitely a, a few meetings leading up to um, our departure, especially with, for the boys um, staying on. With the AFL, I think while it's still going on and we're not included in finals, um, the thing for the boys is to be really mindful um, that the, uh, the game is still going, the spotlight's still on all the players in that state, um, and just to be careful. Like, you enjoy yourself, but um, look, at the end of the day, you don't want to do anything to... Um, upset the game and upset the government with, with the state of the game. So uh, the main thing is to be careful, enjoy themselves where they can, um, but to make smart decisions. As we get towards the business end, where we're trying to work out who is in amongst it, who's the best team that you've played this year, do you think? Uh, best team we've played, I think it's a hard one. I think, I think Geelong, we haven't played Geelong yet, but might it would be uh, them who are coming up within a couple of weeks, um, Brisbane or, or Richmond. I think Richmond just always seem to find a way and um, seem to get their, their confidence in their game going this time of year. So um, I, I think all up, Port Adelaide, are, like all those top four sides are playing some really good footy. And as you see with, with finals, it can, it can just be who rocks up on the day, but they're, they're the four for me.
And is there a teammate near a lot of young ones that have had opportunities this year and we've been really impressed by the crop coming through? Is there a teammate of yours that is, in, is inexperienced and hasn't played a lot of footy that has surprised you with, with how well they're handling it? Um, yeah, I think, I think in the last couple of weeks, Justin McInerney's um, really shown um, his, his game to go into another level. Um, I think he's up to about a handful of games now and um, probably look, looked young at times um, when he first started, but, but on the weekend he's um, a light frame but took some big ground balls against Cripps and, and those boys um, and showed a bit of class with the ball. So as I said, we've got, we've got plenty of young guys who are, who are showing a lot um, and are really exciting hopefully get a few games in them this year and they can take some confidence leading into the start of next year. Luke Parker, Sydney Swans gun, joining us this morning. Hey, Luke, before we let you go, magnificent initiative between the Swans, your club, and one of the major partners, Volkswagen. You're back with the Footy Assist Program, which does offer community AFL clubs around the country an opportunity to apply for some grants and some funding. Now, this is the sixth time the Swans and Volkswagen have joined forces to deliver this program. Um, it is important at this time, and you know, everyone's doing it really tough, to have great supporters like Volkswagen and I guess you're encouraging anyone um, to apply for this funding because it'll cost you nothing and the rewards will be significant. Yeah, exactly. It's on the um, Swans website and it's, um, I think, grants up to about $10,000. Um, there's about eight grants and they're giving out, I think, $50,000 in total. So, um, you know, it's one of those things that's easy to register and um, it's, it's what local clubs need during these tough times. Um, to, to encourage kids to get back down there with the equipment and, and whatnot. And, and that's where little footy starts and, and you want to make sure that the grassroots of football is um, really enjoyable. Um, and it's, it's a great initiative that the, the Swans of Volkswagen have, have come up with. So as you said, it's easy to, easy to register uh, to get involved. Luke, thanks so much for your time, mate. Congratulations on what's been an outstanding career so far. And I think we've all been impressed by what the Swans have done and, and look forward to the Swans pushing back towards finals next year. Thanks, Kane. Cheers, mate. Luke Parker is an absolute ripper. Now, to apply for one of those grants on offer, all you have to do, as Luke said, is visit the Swans website, sydneyswans.com.au forward slash VW footy assist to complete the application process. Pretty seamless, pretty simple, and well done to the Swans and Volkswagen for that initiative. It's all square in the NFL. The season resumed between um, the Texans and the Chiefs this morning, so... Last I checked, it was 7 all. Just waiting for a live score update to come through on my screen. And Naomi Osaka leads 4-2 against Brady in the semifinal of the US Open. So she has broken, yep, 7 all in that NFL game. 1-300-736-736. Pete wants to join us uh, regarding the Essendon Football Club. Big double-page spread in the Herald Sun today. Analysis from Mick McGuan, who's one of the smart footy minds uh, in the media. What do you make of it, Pete? Hello, Kane. Kane, I just um, uh, like your show. It's the first time I've called you, Kane. So oh, you're doing a good aboard. job there, Kane. Appreciate that. Okay, just in the Herald Sun this morning, right? Like you've got one of the biggest games tonight of the year, arguably, which Richmond and Geelong, and they've got not one spread about it. Like there's no tactics, who's going to win, or etc. Having inside fifties, what to look out for, and then they've got a big spread on Essendon. Now, who gives a you know, rats about Essendon at the moment. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the Herald Sun, for God's yeah. sake. I mean, put something there, Kane. I, I guess um, I find it. See, see, I personally, this is my taste. I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't read a preview about 
the game tonight. I, I think previews are hard to do. I, I, I like... I prefer the coverage of teams like Essendon and what has gone wrong and, and you know, who needs to, to lift and who's under pressure. That That's what I'm drawn to. And I'm sure the Herald Sun, it's a, it's a clickbait business now. And how many clicks you get online w- would understand that. And I think more people would be driven from the Bombers fans to click on what's going wrong at Essendon as opposed to who's going to win the footy tonight. That's just my taste and I'm assuming that's the way that the Herald Sun would justify it. I haven't actually had a, a close look at the in-print paper version of the Herald Sun this morning. But I take your point, Pete. Appreciate your call, mate. Give us a call again sometime. First-time caller, which we love. Paul is on the line. G'day to you, Paul. Oh, g'day, Kane. How you doing? Good, thanks. <laughs> AFL to Tassie. You want you want AFL in Tassie? Well, I think in this unprecedented year that we've had, and it's all over the shop, like a dog's breakfast, and they're making changes left, right and centre, I think it's about time a few people got their head out of the sand and actually really feed ink and put Tasmania in the national competition, even probably also the Northern Territory after we saw how much they love their footy up there. It's about time for change, Kane. I mean, this is going to rear its ugly head every time. I think it's time now with this... uh, pandemic that we really consider it and um, and, and bring, just bring them in and let them play footy. No issue with me, Paul. 100% supportive of the team down there. I guess with the financial cost to set it up in these times, it's going to be difficult and it may delay what will be the inevitable, I think, in the future, but may just take a little bit longer for that to happen now with the financial situation engulfing the country. We will get to a bit of a breather, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. On the other side of this, Bryce Gibbs wasn't a shock that he announced his retirement yesterday, but still had a year to go on his contract. Why didn't it work at Adelaide? And what were the reasons behind his retirement yesterday? He's going to join us next. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Plenty still to talk about. Big news surrounding Channel 7 and Cricket Australia with the report this morning from Ben Horn from News Limited that um, they have started proceedings to terminate that contract with Cricket Australia. It's a $450 million deal and clearly threatens the um, sport, immediate sport and future of that in Australia. The other big story yesterday was a couple of retirements. One was Matthew Cruiser. The other was our next guest who also played for Carlton for 12 years and the Adelaide Football Club called time on his career and he joined us this morning on SENSA earlier on and we did congratulate him firstly on what's been an amazing career. Thanks, Kane. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a big day yesterday, um, a very emotional one as well and uh, yeah, certainly uh, got a good sleep at all. Did you expect it to be that emotional? Obviously, you can't prepare for something like this, Bryce, and you would have seen so many of your teammates over the journey go through these things. Did you think that uh, you were going to show so much emotion? Um, I, I did. I mean, because football at, at AFL level has been such a, a big part of my life um, to this point, and um, yeah, to, to go through it with so many special people in my life, um, yeah, when it was going to come to an end, um, it was uh, it was always going to be an emotional day, but um, it all sort of unfolded pretty quickly. Um, I was sort of still pretty determined to to force my way back in the side and, and be um, be a pivotal player, finishing off the year. But um, yeah, it didn't pan out that way, and it was only sort of only in the last week or so that I got my head around that um, this was going to be it for me. And um, yeah, once I sort of 
started putting those wheels in motion, it sort of all, all finished pretty quick. But, um, yeah, certainly very complete with, with how I come to the decision and where it's at. So how did that come about, Bryce? Was it the club that approached you or your management? No, it was more me. Um, as I said, I, I was still pretty determined to, to get back inside and, and help the boys and the club in, in what's been a tough year for us. Um, and I think mentally, it started to wear me down mentally. Um, not so much the last 12 months, but probably 18 months going back to last year with some of the, the frustrations in and out of the side that I had. But, um, yeah, I, I did think I would, would have got a bit more opportunity this year, but that wasn't to be. And um, as the weeks rolled on, it just kept mentally wearing me down, wearing me down. And uh, speaking with Nixie in the club, um, our conversations have been pretty open and honest over the last 12 months and um, speaking to them, Next year was going to probably look pretty similar in terms of they wanted to keep playing uh, young guys and, and regenerating their list and, and getting some, some younger boys in. So um, to think that I would have had to go another 12 months potentially with with a lack of opportunity um, was something I didn't think I could do. And um, to uh, to free a spot up on the list for, for a young guy to wear you know, who is currently on the list now to save their career for next year and uh, or a bloody young kid next mm. year, which which I got to experience 14 years ago with, with list sizes potentially coming down. Um, that filled me with a lot of enjoy and something that I was really comfortable to, to do. You alluded to it, but yeah, some sympathy lies for the mental toll that this would have taken because for basically two years, weekly, when the teams are announced, there's been a question as to why Bryce Gibbs isn't in. So I can't imagine how that has affected you. We speculate about it. Crows fans, there's thousands and thousands of them speculate it, about it. Mentally, are you okay? Uh, yeah, and that, that's probably what's worn me down most, Kane. Um, physically, my body's been held up really well. Um, I've still performed in a, in a lot of the games over the last couple of years and yeah those those converse, hard conversations you have with, with the final coach uh, both Pikey and Nixie over the last two years um, they've obviously got their reasons and then I'm trying to get clarity on why and mm. uh, good, bad or indifferent It's those conversations can be really hard at times and, and sometimes they're a bit easy and justifiable but um, yeah it certainly did wear me down um, and it, it is hard to, to get going sometimes and get up and stay motivated, but I've, I've been so lucky that um, I've had some such a great support network around me to, to help me through those tough times. And I made mention of a couple of people in my press conference yesterday, especially at the club, at the Adelaide Footy Club in the last 12 months in, in Emma Bar, Heath Uni and Mark Cezanne, the, the club doctor, um, really kept me going and motivated and helped me channel my uh, my energy into into other things like the, the young guys and and that sort of thing and um, obviously keep controlling what I can control and whatever match committee would decide on that week if it didn't pan out the way I wanted to that um, I could be happy knowing that I was still giving everything I could so um, yeah I certainly could have done it without those guys and obviously the players as well have, have been such a, a big support to me over the last 18 months and, and helping me get through it. You've handled yourself with absolute class mm. and there doesn't seem to be a bitter bone in your body but I could forgive you if you were bitter. Uh, is the uncertainty, or are you clear as to why it didn't work out um, playing-wise at the Adelaide Footy Club? Uh, I, I am, um, and 
the last two years have been completely different um, and been completely different scenarios and, and reasons why. Um, whether I agree with them or not, um, it sort of doesn't really matter, I suppose, now. But, um, yeah, look, I would have loved to have things to play it out differently and um, to play a lot more games for this footy club, but that's not the way it's panned out. And it's hard because... Obviously, of recent times, there's been a lot of speculation, a lot of talk, and mm. the way I've sort of it's ended. But I don't want to, I don't want my career to be justified as like how it's panned out the last two years. I've had an amazing career over 14 years, and, and one that I'm very proud of. Mm. Um, so I think people lose sight of that at times, as it sort of hasn't panned out the way I've wanted to, and maybe some some other people haven't thought it would as well. So um, yeah, if I look at it as a whole um i'm certainly very proud of what i've achieved and have been very grateful and fortunate to to be able to do what what not many people get to do and, and live out a childhood dream and um yeah i'm very proud of that you spoke about the last game um is all the family heading up and considering he's against your old side who you spent 12 years at it's going to be really special for you how do you feel about pulling on the boots for the last time at this level yeah i'm really excited mate um and yeah, as I've just spoken about how the last two years have played out, to uh, to go out like this, um, it's, it is going to be a special day for me and my family, and they're all heading up, which is which is even going to be even better. Um, a lot of restrictions. Um, I won't be able to spend too much time with them on the day, uh, and run out with uh, with my kids or anything like that. But um, yeah, to have them there, it's going to be great and. You know, I still speak to and have a lot of great relationships with not only the, the Carlton players but a lot of people within the footy club and um, yeah, to, to share my last game of AFL footy with, with those guys and, and obviously one more time with the, the Adelaide players and, and coaches and, and staff here. Um, it's going to be, again, probably another emotional day for me but one I'm certainly looking forward to. And, Hopefully I can uh, get a couple of kicks and, and end on a end it on a good note. That'd be nice. What's the difference between playing for a big Victorian club with you know hundreds of thousands of fans like Carlton and I guess the profile that you came in with being the number one pick as opposed to the fishbowl of Adelaide? Is it similar or is it completely different playing for both clubs? Oh, it certainly has its differences. Um, obviously, being in Melbourne, the spread of, of big footy clubs. Uh, the tension can the attention can be on you for a little bit of time, but then it sort of mm. you get a bit of a breather at times. Where obviously here in Adelaide, two team town, um, that's all that gets spoken about a, a lot of the time. And um, even the attention you get going to cafes and restaurants and pubs, and you feel like you are eyes are on you twenty four seven. Whereas in Melbourne, there's a big bigger city, you can sort of escape that a little bit and uh, and hide away at times if you need to. But, um, yeah, it's all part of, of footy and um, comes with it and I certainly just got to accept it and it is what it is. But, yeah, to, to play at both footy clubs, especially Carp with, as you said, big club, big following, proud history, um, and then to come back here and finish it at the Adelaide Footy Club who, uh, just as big as well. Um, it's it's been a special time. About the emotional toll when you initially tried to get back that first time uh, in the trade period, but it was blocked. That you know, Carlton played pretty hardball with it. Was that really difficult as well? And then to play the following season at the club where you had said that you probably didn't want to be at for that year. 
Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was a hard couple of months to to get my head around going back and, and fronting up again. But I think the process to come back into the club was really easy because it, it, the reasons why I wanted to come home and um, the way it sort of was handled, it was genuine and and there were. Both clubs were really happy with where it got to, so um, I think the way it was handled by both parties, um, there was no bad blood um, and relationships were still really strong. So um, to step back in the club, uh, it was surprisingly easier than I thought. Um, And once the decision was made, um, I got my head around that and and I just wanted to set myself for... Having another big year, train hard over the pre-season like I always do, and, and it was really easy. So, um, yeah, I was able to do that and, and have another not a bad year that year. So, uh, Which opposition player gave you the most uh, trouble? Um, probably the most hardest player I've, I've played. I did a bit of tagging um, through the middle part of my career, and Adam Goods, when he was up and going, I tagged him a few times, and he was, uh, he was unstoppable. Best player you played with? Uh, Chris Judd. Chris Judd, gone. That's a good answer. Who was your favourite teammate? Oh, there's too many. There's too many. Um, fitting, I'll get to play against two of them this weekend in, in Mark Murphy and, and Kate Gibson. Hmm. What will you miss most about the AFL? Uh, certainly the the locker, the locker room chat, the banter that comes with playing with 44 of your best mates. Um Certainly, I miss the players and and, and the, the camaraderie you have with with your with your teammates. Lastly, mates, uh, you did allude to the fact that you probably will still play footy, but in terms of other sports, is there something you'd like to take up now? For example, you could jump on Striver and join Kane for a run. <laughs> I, I won't be going, coming for a run with you, Kane. I'm looking forward <laughs> to putting on a couple of kilos for, for a few months. But yeah. um, I've been terrible at golf through through my life. Um, I've got the best setup, the, the nice tailor-made, the blades, got the kit, looked the part, but cannot play. So um, the old man loves a hit of golf. So I'll, uh, I'll endeavour to try and have a crack at getting better at that and, and spending a bit of time on the course with him, I reckon. Uh, enjoy that, mate. Once again, we thank you for your time this morning and congratulate you on what has been an amazing career. Good luck with one last game. I hope it goes really well and I hope it's an amazing occasion for you and your family. Once again, congratulations. Not too many in the game do what you have done, so that deserves to be celebrated in every way. We appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, boys. Appreciate the kind words. Yep, and Naomi Osaka, I'll spit that out, uh, has won through to the final of the US Open. So she is through up next as Arenka taking on Serena Williams. Um, the Lakers uh, through to the next round of the playoffs after accounting for Houston this morning, and the Chiefs have gone up by a touchdown against Texans in the NFL. Well, to tell us the landscape of the AFL season and all the big games starting with tonight is our next guest, Jared Timms from Neds. Timsy, thanks for joining me again. Good morning, Kane. How are you, mate? We'll start with arguably the match of the home and away season, Geelong taking on Richmond tonight. Yeah, what a start to the weekend this is. I just cannot wait for the working day to be done here, Kane. Obviously, plenty on the line for both sides. Genuine cases to be built for, for both as well. Look, as it stands, Geelong are our $1.77 favourite. Still a bit of value at that price, though, I thought. There's $2.15 about Richmond. As always, we're offering $2 lines on every game in Round 17. They've been set at just four and a half points for tonight's clash. 
Gordy, mate, the other one is tomorrow here where I am sitting about 800 metres from where I am. Port Adelaide taking on the Bombers. Twilight footy, three changes for Port Adelaide. Butters, Burton, Suckley for out. Laddams, Ebert and Bonner in. Still waiting to see whether big Joe Danaher will play for the Bombers. How does it look? Yeah, look, it's about as big as mismatches get this weekend. Certainly, the market is to be believed. Port now into a dollar fifteen. Definitely, write your own ticket territory for Essendon now at two, uh, six dollars thirty. I beg your pardon. The value for the uh, Port fans this week certainly lies at the two dollar line. That has been set at twenty nine and a half points. The Giants have dropped their skipper for a pretty much a do or die game against Melbourne. Loser, I don't think deserves to play finals and probably won't. How does it look? Yeah, look, really, it does look like being one of the better contests of the round. Connors birds well and truly on the line, as you've touched on there, Kane. Probably unsurprising to see the eighth place Giants as our favourites at $1.70. The Dees certainly have claims, though. $2.25, I thought, look, quite a nice price for them. $2 line set at just 6.5 points for this one as well. And Brisbane off a short break against the Swans is the last game you want to take a look at. Yeah, look, it was a very comfortable win for the Lions on Wednesday night. This looks another terrific opportunity for them. They are our $1.38 favourites to beat the Swans, $3.25. The line for this one, Kane, is 16.5 points. I think Brisbane looks a terrific bet here for $2. Whatever you like to bet on, take it to the Neds level. Timsy, I'll speak to you next week. Thanks, Kane. Good luck, Hunters. Righto, it is that time, the favourite time of the week for Chad's Brothers Quiz, one You can line up. It is an NFL-themed quiz this morning, um, and that is clearly on the back of the season resumption today where the Chiefs are leading the Texans, I think it's 14-7. to Last I checked, just waiting for the score to pop up on my ESPN screen at the moment. But get to it, line up, last person standing will be the winner of the quiz this morning, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. It's time for Chad's Brothers Quiz for Speckle Cash Loans. Up to $2,000 paid fast. Up for grabs, we do have a round of golf for two at Club Mandalay, which is a must-play course in Melbourne's north. The theme of the quiz is the NFL. The Chiefs leading the Texans 14-7 just before halftime as the NFL season resumes. Aaron is on the line and is going to get us underway. Aaron, thanks for your time and participating in the quiz. Morning, Kane. How are you? Who are the two quarterbacks currently doing battle this morning? Uh, you got Mahomes and Watson. That would be correct. Righto. What are the nicknames of the two LA NFL teams? Uh, well, you got the Rams and um, the Chargers. Oh, he's on fire. Hey, uh, how old is Tom Brady? Oh, yeah. I think he's about 40, 43. <laughs> he's on fire. Two to go. I've never had a clean sweep, Aaron. So let, let, let's do this this morning. Five from five. You're three from three. Two more for the win. What is the name of the team that recently moved to Las Vegas? Uh, they they were the... I think they just called the football team now. Yeah, but what's their... Yeah, you have to give me their nickname. Uh, the Raiders. Yes, they were... The Oakland Raiders, they are now the Las Vegas Raiders. For the win, 
Apologies to Simon, Sam, Trent and Shane, Andrew, all waiting for you to make a mistake. Aussie punter Michael Dixon plays for what NFL team? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, Three, two... Quick. No. Well done. A lot of heavy lifting there. It's going to be a travesty that you don't win this quiz, Aaron, but thank you for the work that you've done for setting it up for Simon in Hawthorne. Simon... Kano. Michael Dixon plays for what NFL team? Uh, Seattle Seahawks. He does play for the Seattle Seahawks. Wow, that was easy. I'll put you back to Johnny. He will sort you out. Round of Beautiful. golf for two at Club Mandalay. A must-play course in Melbourne's north. Naomi Osaka is through to the Grand Slam of the US Open. Up next is Serena Williams taking on Victoria Azarenka. That should be... An absolute ripper. Looking forward to that. Big story as well, just uh, repeating the news from the Daily Telegraph. Ben Horn reporting that Channel 7 have initiated legal proceedings to get themselves essentially out of the broadcast deal with Channel 7. That one's valued at $450 million. Of course, it's been bubbling away for some time. Seven's concerns were around the level of quality that was coming out for the Big Bash and I think some scheduling issues as well. So legal proceedings have started. Now, the ramifications for that with the summer of cricket right on our doorsteps and upon us would be significant. I I don't know what would happen. Would it go back to Channel 9? Not sure Channel 10 could afford it. So players pay. They do take a specific percentage of the revenue that the game has generated. So what happens to the highly paid cricketers at the moment? So it's one story that uh, will be followed really closely but starting to get particularly serious between Channel 7 and Cricket Australia. 14-7, to 7, the Chiefs lead the Texans in the NFL just on half-time. The Chiefs are going to have a crack at a 29-yard field goal to make it 17-7 at half-time. one 736 736 is the number if you want to join in and have your say on any sporting topic. Dwayne Russell is up after 12 o'clock. Been a busy morning. Thank you to everyone who's given us a call and sent us a text message. We will be back on the other side of this to wrap it all up. Bye-bye. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Uh, before we go, I've been hunting this bloke down for a while, a couple of weeks now. He's been MIA, usually rings me regularly, and he calls himself the big man from Geelong, and I think I've uncovered his identity. He likes to be anonymous, but through some detective work, I've found out who he is. So, big man, um, welcome again. Here I come. Here I or am. Should, or should I call you by your name, Luke Buckland? That's not correct, Kane. You've been you've been led up the garden path there, bud. I don't think I have, Luke. Stephen. Stephen is it? <laughs> well, where's my information yeah, Stephen, come from? <laughs> someone know, has mate, tagged someone bike. has tagged me in a Instagram video. So so you're not the Luke Buckland who is a star amateur footballer. <laughs> no way, mate. Okay, Nothing to do with me. I've been sold up the, the wrong path there. All right, what do you want to talk about, big man? Sam Menegola? Yep, Sammy's on tonight. Three votes, Sammy Menegola. This will clinch the Brownlow medal this evening. He's been in good form. Sorry, big man. I take your word for it that you're not Luke Buckland, but uh, I have had a number of Instagram you, messages. Oh, what's the, of course I want another song. It's a bit of an old school song, but with the Saints getting done last night, I thought I'd just have a go at it. Right, it goes a bit like this. 
Jimmy Battle, superstar. He's got more medals than St. Kilda. Norm Smith, Brownlow. This is my Jimmy. Let's go. Woo! <laughs> Good on you, big man. Appreciate it. That's a ripper. We we don't get that enough, do we? I mean, that's what I am jealous about of the soccer fans is the songs that they come up with. We need more of that in the world of AFL. Well, before we go, got to tell you about Apia and our guru, Bowls legend Barry Lester, proudly supporting Bowls Australia to encourage our community to get set go to perfect their lawn bowling skills with techniques and trade secrets to encourage living a healthier life. Barry joins me again. G'day, Baz. Yeah, good morning, Kane. Thanks for having me on the show, mate. You've been dominating with your weekly series of videos. What are we focusing on this week? Yeah, I guess uh, it's just trying to make the right um, decision under a bit of pressure and in a circumstance where, just like other sports, where, you know, if if you've gone in with a bit of a game plan that when you get caught in those situations, you're prepared to make the right call. And we break it down to really offence and defence. So in bowls, you've either got to make the play and then when the opposition go to play their bowl, you've got to understand that you can either take that shot away from them or you can maybe go and, and play a defensive shot. So we break it down to offence, defence, and try and make the opposition think. So it's been a popular segment, and it's just a really easy way of doing it. Instead of trying to you know, look around the head for maybe a few minutes, just break it down to what it is and then play the shot. Well, I like that, and pressure does get the best of even, even the most highly skilled athletes. Can I ask you, is there a time limit on when you have to take your shot? That's a really good question. Uh, we we have umpires like every other sport. Ideally, we don't like to get them too involved. But if some players or teams are standing over their head looking at all the bowls and really umming and ahhing on what shot to play, yeah, there can be a bit of a, um, a time limit involved. There isn't a, a specific time like, you know, 10 or 20 seconds. But we do play events such as the Australian Open on the Gold Coast every year uh, where... There is a say a two minute uh, sorry two hour fifteen minutes to complete your game. So um, if mm. one player is playing another player and they feel as though they're being a bit slow, a little bit like golf, um, they will get a bit of a warning and say you know need to move on. So yeah, but actually playing the shot and executing the shot, some players can take up to a minute. Some players can take ten or twenty seconds. For all of these handy tips and tricks from one of the absolute gurus, Barry Lester, you can head to apia.com.au forward slash good life hub. Any sledging going on in, in bowls matches? Most definitely, yeah. No, really? Uh, I played a guy yeah, played a guy a couple of years ago over in Adelaide and he's, uh, I lost the end and he said, oh, you better turn the scoreboard over. I said, oh, why is that? And he goes, well, you're going to be doing it all day. So um, <laughs> that was a that was a little quick one-liner. But the bloke that was just on the call then, we need some songs for bowls. We need to get him Badly. to uh, get some uh, songs made up for some of our um, state sides or club sides out there. <laughs> I would add to the atmosphere. Hey, Barry, once again, mate, appreciate your time and congratulations on the work you're doing building the profile of the sport. Thanks very much. Watch the content at Apia Good Life Hub, where they are all about possibilities, and you can talk to their dedicated specialist today on 135050. That's 135050. Barry Lester, our guest. Once again, uh, Easton Wood is out and not playing for the Western Bulldogs, according to Sammy Landsberger from the Herald Sun. So there's another change as well. We are... 
Whew, we're just about out of time. It's been a it's been a big six hours. I can tell you that much. But I've had a lot of fun as always. Bryce Gibbs, Luke Parker. If you've missed any of it, of course you can head to the SEN podcast and have a listen along there. And to all the people complaining about me mentioning the NFL's scores this morning, you're listening to a sports station. Of course, we're going to read out live scores. So. Get a grip. There's more important things happening in the moment. And speaking of live scores, Serena Williams leads 2-0 in her US Open semi-final on her bid to become a 24-time Grand Slam winning champion. Dwayne Russell up next, and I will see you all at 9 o'clock next Friday. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.